Hey everybody, we have a very special podcast for you. This is a collaboration between the Safe Topics podcast and the Reteach podcast. And this is our season premiere. My name's Sean Davis. I teach in the sociology department at Miracosta College. And I am here with my two co-hosts for this podcast. Um, and the first one is Bruce. Bruce, go ahead and grab the mic. Yo, and so uh, what's up, everyone? And so my podcast, Reteach, uh, equity-focused, uh, uh, equity-inspired, you know, teaching and learning uh, at the community college level. Um, it's, it's been a, a passion project of mine, and I hope people are enjoying that. And, you know, I'm, I'm just really blessed to be able to add my voice into uh, what's going on with safe topics. And for, you know, this, this collaboration to me is, is so natural that I, I, I didn't even think of it as a collaboration. It was just like, yo, we're just coming together, you know, colleagues, uh, like-minded colleagues coming into this space and just sharing and talking and, and uh, you know, doing our thing. And so, um, but yeah, but Curry, yeah, I'll, I'll pass the rock to Curry right now because he's the, the other co-host in the spot. All right. Hey, hey, everyone. I'm Curry Mitchell. I teach English composition classes and I co-host the Safe, Topic, Safe Topics podcast with Sean. Um, you know, our, our podcast is really wanting to go after topics that are a little uncomfortable to talk about, um, create a space where we can listen to each other, um, um, get into uh, ideas that might be a little controversial, but all, all within that, what Bruce is talking about, sort of that ethos of collaboration, collegiality, um, to go deeper. And so our, our podcasts really do have a, a similar mission, right? I love Bruce, your, you know, the way you open, you know, your, your heart is open, your mind is open, you're ready to learn. Um, and I think that's exactly what we're hoping in this collaboration to get at, right? Listen and learning. Oh, absolutely. And oh, I didn't mention, I guess I'm a sociologist. And so, and, um, but I don't know if that's, it's like, I'm telling you, this whole teaching uh, journey is like, I don't think any discipline has any, uh, you know, uh, inside track in regards to this teaching and learning. It, it really is um, about who has a heart for really exploring and reflecting and, you know, and talking and collaborating and, you know, will, being willing to put out the things that they do um, and to talk to others about the things that they do and collecting all that information, all that wisdom out there. Um, you know, no, no discipline has a, has an inside track where you just happen to have two, two sociologists in the space, but that I, it just easily, I mean, with the people on our campus, this easily could have uh, someone in the math department or, um, you know, in physics and all, you know, just all across the board. And um, I'm, I'm really blessed to be part of this campus and the, the people who are on it. Totally. And, and, you know, the, this, this collaborative episode that we're introducing right now uh, uh, is quite diversely representative of our campus, right? We've got um, a writing center director, we have um, a communication specialists, um, um, different genders, different ethnicities, different races. So yeah, this is, this is a pretty rich conversation we're about to get into. And speaking of rich conversation, this is all about, we are in fall 2020 and the buzzword of the day is anti-racism. And that's what we're exploring in this conversation. And it goes to a few different spaces. It goes deep philosophical. And, and that's, uh, Chad provides that context for us. And it goes to the practical. It goes to the personal. So we're breaking this up into three different parts. And we want to introduce you to the first part here, which is anti-racism, the talk. Enjoy.
anti-racism, really popular concept and term right now. Oswaldo, what comes to mind when you when you hear this word? Anti-racism, um, nothing new, right? This is <laughs> this is not you know a buzzword, right? It's 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 everybody's thinking about that right now, and it's in everybody's agendas and Instagram and TikToks and Facebook. Uh, unfortunately, this has been around. Uh, it's the foundation of uh, this country is mm. racism. So when we hear anti-racism and, and, and I'm glad that we're talking about it, um, but you know, these conversations have been happening, uh, need to be happening. Um, and the way I see it is it's an intentional and conscious decision to not continue to support structural racism. Um, so when we talk about anti-racism, I, I think it's, it's that, it's what we do, what we think, what we feel. Um, and, and part of it is that we, everything we do is surrounded by the structural racism. So how do we start with ourselves and to do that self-assessment and that evaluation that what we know as business as usual uh, stems from a structure of racism, right? Stems of, a, of a white supremacy and something that we see something so normal and every, everything we do every day, there's a reason for some of those things. And so anti-racism really, in my, in my point of view, in my lens, is to uh, do self self-assessment and assess how is it that what I'm doing, saying, feeling uh, is collaborating and supporting this structure of, of power, right? Um, and so I think, uh, you know, before we, we, we dive into them, the other, other people, it's a, it's a full self-evaluation of us and our families and our heritage and our history and see how we are part of it. Uh, because I think we're all part of it, right? We, we play a role in it. And so how, how do we take action? How do we self-assess? And how do we make changes? And, and I'm very, it's important that we, that we put those words intentional and conscious, right? Uh, because we have to be intentional when we're doing this work, when we're meeting with our students, when we're having conversations, you know, um, in the coffee shop, it's, it's, I'm intentional in the way I'm, I'm having these conversations, my thought process. Uh, we can't blame it on unconsciousness. We have to be conscious and be responsible for our words and our actions. And that how continue, that's how that continues to support the systems of power. Oswaldo, yeah, I, I heard you earlier today say actually that we need to, we need to tease apart these words of anti-racism and equity. Can you talk about how you feel like those are getting conflated and maybe some distinctions between them? Yeah, thank you. And, and I think uh, I see a lot of people's reaction to that. And, and that's the thing, right? I feel like these are, these are buzzwords and, and everybody just you know, groups them together and, and equity automatically is the word that fits everybody, but it's not. You know, when we're talking about anti-racism, we're specifically speaking about race and the power and the superiority of one race over another. Uh, and, and equity could, doesn't have to include race. Right. And so that is important. And, and that's from my perspective, obviously, from what I've learned, but others can share more about what they feel and their definition of that. But that's important because when we, you know, we just what, what happens is we just group everything together. Right. Underrepresented students. And when we say people of color, we're still grouping everybody together. And it's not it's not all people of color. Uh, we need to be important that we acknowledge the black experience, indigenous experience, uh, you know, the Latino experience, the uh, Pacific Islanders experience. And, and so we just, you know, sometimes it's just simple and easier for people to just say, right, people of color, but it's not that. And so I think that's important when we're talking about anti-racism work and equity. 
it, the assumption is the same, but it's not. Yeah. Chad, did you want to jump in there? Or? <laughs> no, I just feel like Sean like snuck into my house and was reading my notes or something. <laughs> um, like just for context, right? So I'm, we just started the semester and uh, my, my 100 class starts with rhetoric and communication and writing letters to each other and things like that. And so one of the ways that I teach rhetoric is um, I use George Carlin and his piece on euphemisms, you know, so it's about a 10 minute piece. He talks about it in terms of soft language and starts with, um, you know, the military and how we went from uh, shell shock. And now we are at this long hyphenated PTSD, you know, um, situation. And then we get the laundry list in the middle and then nobody dies. They just pass away and stuff. And so <clears throat> I was thinking about uh, uh, just this idea of, of euphemisms and and then how at, at the college you know equity is everywhere right we've got to be equity-minded instructors and all this stuff and and one of the questions i wrote down was you know to what extent is equity a euphemism for systemic racism right, right? yeah and so and and just to give you an example it's like I, I was going through the the college site certain pages if you swap out equity and you drop in systemic racism right or anti-racism it makes for a really interesting eye-opening read, you know? Like in our department, for instance, Curry, you can speak to this because you, you, you worked so hard on all this, but like, you know, years ago, right, we had multiple levels of pre-transfer English, right? We had 49.50, right? And then if you look at other schools, for instance, like uh, PCC, for instance, they had even more, four or five, six levels, right? And so how did you end up in one of those classes, right? Before we had multiple measures, assessments and stuff like that, right? You took a test, right? You took a test. And so depending on how old you are, your experience with tests and all this stuff, right? Uh, you're 17, you're 18, you take a class at 8 a.m. You don't have a lot of experience taking tests, right? Because of various factors. And taking that one test uh, uh, places you three, four levels below transfer level English, right? And that determines the next few years for you, right? Maybe you do well and you're able to climb up that ladder up to the transfer level, or maybe not. But, but I think, uh, you know, the college, they implemented multiple measures and it's great, right? And we've been talking about that as like an equity issue, as filling an equity gap so that more students can come in. But if you look at which students tend to do well on tests, you know, then, then I think we could talk about it in a different way. And so I've just been thinking a lot about this idea of, you know, to what extent is equity this euphemism for systemic racism? You know, what if we talked about it through the lens of systemic racism instead of always through the lens of equity? What might the conversations look like? Right. And I think on the one hand, uh, the example of standardized tests as a measure that then places you uh, at a level within some kind of program is very much, Oswaldo, what you said earlier, normal. That's how it worked when I was a student. That's how it worked when I was being trained to be a teacher, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's hard, on the one hand, it's hard to look at that and see systemic racism because it served all the people I know and I benefited, I worked hard and blah, blah, blah. Um, but on the other hand, Chad, kind of what, what you have me thinking about is when we do start to look at that through that 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 through an, uh, an equity-minded lens, through an anti-racist lens, these terms I think start to become a new normal, and I start to get really comfortable in this new normal once I've had that training and I'm in a system now where I'm thriving again and students are benefiting from what I'm doing, and I I kind of I don't know I get comfortable in that space right because it's it is a new normal, and so Oswaldo I really appreciate this is how I'm thinking about anti-racism. It's a it's a daily 
scrutiny, a daily reflection, and it's looking at the places where it's normal. I mean, right, right now, we're really looking at um, really clear evidence of, of, of racism, you know, manifested on, you know, black bodies by police. It's really clear that that's a problem. But the work of anti-racism that I'm feeling really challenged by right now is, is taking a moment to look at normal spaces, right? Where, is the, where are things feeling normal? And what do I need to do? How do I think about them? How do I look at them? Um, Doc, do you wanna do you wanna jump in on that or how are uh, uh, and Rachel? I mean Rachel. <laughs> sure. If people call me Doc, Rachel, you know, oh. your colleagues were you know we're comrades in this together, and so um, you know Rachel is fine. Chad, you raised like some really deep philosophical questions in terms of what you know how we visualize this equity equation, this conversation about anti-racism and. Um, for me, as a Black woman, I think that I've always seen race as the lens to be viewed at. Um, it's how I experience the world. It's how people experience me. Um, and a part of my anti-racist practice is owning that, mm -hmm. right, of walking in that truth as my truth and meeting people there from that particular perspective. Um, as, a, as a communication expert, I'm interested in human behavior. And my particular like, you know, area is performance of culture. How do we perform our cultural identities? How do we interact with other cultural identities? What are our challenges? What are our barriers? Those are the things that I'm super interested in. And I think that language is at the root of that because it distances us from the actual behaviors and the implicit biases that we walk with, that we produce every single day. So, you know, Curry, when you say that you get comfortable in these terms of anti-racism and these terms of equity inclusion and equity practices, that kind of makes me uncomfortable a bit right. because we can't become comfortable in this language that doesn't challenge us to push on to the next level, right? Mm -hmm. I think that when we do this work, it is an everyday thing and there's no perfect way to do it. There's no right or wrong way to do it because we all walk with our own cultural frameworks, our own cultural references. But to do this work is a daily investigation of how we activate this language and the behaviors that we produce every day. Like in that, that chat, I think you point right at the head of it when you say we're looking at this backwards, right? We're going equity first and expectation that, you know, racism is going to be eliminated that way. No, in order to reach equity, we actually have to like eliminate racism so that we, we get to that point where we know what equity looks like between us, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that these are really powerful things to be thinking about and that um, I, I encourage us to be uncomfortable in our language. Um, I think that's perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, it's like when we think about equity, it's like, an, and if you're not comfortable talking about race, then you address all the equity things except race. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think that's that's my um, my love hate relationship with intersectionality, mm. right? Mm. Um, in terms of inclusion, when we talk about you know bringing these issues to the table um, as a raced body, my biggest concern is that people use our identity markers as a way to not talk about race, right? So they'll say, you know, well, when we talk about diversity, we need to make sure that we have, you know, people who are, um, you know, uh, have different bo able bodies, right? We have to have people of different age groups. We have to have people of different, like, you know, sexual orientations. But across all of those bodies, we are raced, mm -hmm. right? And we refuse to use that as our mapping. And I think that is what, you know, the shift needs to be is let's begin from the culture add of the value that we add from these cultural identities and work from that. And we might have more success at gaining equity. Just okay. my two. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I can relate. I feel like it's, it's very disappointing when equity is co-opted in that way because I was a reviewer for proposals for a conference once, and this is just like a year ago, and all of the proposals, I was in the equity, the, it was the equity proposals that I was reviewing for this conference, and I looked at each one of these proposals, did a control F, and looked for the words race, racial, and zero, zero came up. And it was all about accessibility, which is obviously very important, but it just goes to this point that talking about race and bringing that to the forefront, while that can be the starting point, as you're saying, Rachel, is something that we're not comfortable doing. And now that it's so popular and, and you know, you're talking about examining culture and how that's important to your work and how, how you uh, teach your classes, thinking about culture is looking at things through an equity lens and an anti-racist lens, as opposed to living the principles of those ideas as an ethos. Like what, what, what is the difference between using a lens and right. living that? I think, is this question for me? I don't want to like hog the mic, you know? I to you, but open for all. Sure. I, I think there are a lot of people who know how to pull the lens out when they need it. Right. Um, I don't think that there are many of us who really walk the the walk, like I said. And again, walking the walk doesn't mean it's perfect. You know, it's a it's a scary kind of journey that we're on with the territory, you know, in the terrain changing all, all the time. But you got you got to walk the walk. I think there are a lot of people who know how to use the lens, the language, uh, the words to be able to say, oh, I put on enough distance to say I I count as equity minded. Get and, off that, my back, that, right? and that's what I meant by becoming comfortable myself, right? The, the work for me as an individual instructor, I go to a conference that makes me feel really, feel really uncomfortable because they're asking me to reflect on race. Well, I want to get away from that discomfort. So I study the language, I read the literature, I listen to podcasts until I can speak the language. That work is just for me. That's just to help me with my feelings. And it doesn't extend the work at all in terms of eliminating. Right. I guess my question is at these kind of conferences, how often are you asked to speak from your own truth? Sure. You know, and, and it's so funny because I'm at a place in my career where conferences, I, I, I kind of have that cynical attitude. Like I dare you to tell me something I don't know. I can't, you know, come on. But, but I, I'll tell you the, um, the, the U, USC Equity Minded Institute by the Center of Urban uh, Education, huh? that conference I attended a couple summers ago that one, it was all about me speaking, uh, uh, reflecting on my experiences. It was me looking at my data from my classes. And I felt like, yeah, that's what exactly what I was invited to do is reflect on truth. Truth as I experienced it and lived it. And yeah. I think that's where the value really is. Yeah. Um, and I think that because we have a lot of fears, we don't want to start with that. But yeah. I, I have so many allies who we just speak each other's stories across like our own personal histories. And it becomes kind of this framework where we can use to kind of manifest something else. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think this conversation is interesting to add another lens when looking at it through the, uh, the lens of, you know, my role as a chair of Trek in terms of evaluation at the college. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I can't help but think when you walk the walk, you know, Rachel, as you say, and uh, how does that affect uh, how you're perceived and how you're, um, how, the experience you have going through the review process versus when you when you rock the lens and you perform, how do, how is that perceived? How do you do? 
you know, navigating the channels and, and walking that line and maintaining the balance between the equity minded instructor, that's not going to cause problems for others. Right. I, I can't help but not think of that because my, I'm always swimming in Trek stuff, obviously. Yeah. Right. I was going to make a comment about early tenure. So hopefully. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I got through early tenure. So I'm on the other side. Woo! It, it'll come back when you're, when you go through uh, three year and six year stuff, I guess. Oh gosh. <laughs> I, I, want, I want to get Denise to jump in here, but first yeah. I want to say Oswaldo, did you, you, you just recently finished or you're at the tail end of this process or. For the doctorate or. Uh, from tenure. Oh, I just recently finished. Uh, the process and and you know it's thank you all and and uh, I I hear what Chad is saying because uh, I constantly heard you know it, the the tension the intention is is positive right as well you got hired here to you know disrupt the system uh, you know as well you 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 bring in something you know that we need at Maricosta and so I, I would hear that uh, but silently. I would hear aloud, but not too much, right? Uh, and so it's it's one of those things that it was it was always like, okay, I see I see what's happening here, but I can't, you know. And people will say, no, it's okay, just do it. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know what? I'll I'll wait. <laughs> so I think it's it's the other thing too, right? That that we've been socialized yeah. to to perform, right? We've been socialized to what is what is it that you have to say, right? Again, these buzzwords. What are the what is the language? And I, I mean, you know, I've, I've seen my peers, my colleagues, my, you know, people that I said that I, I look up to where they write amazing uh, equity work. Uh, and yet I see their actions speak differently. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's human for us to, to do this, but it's important again to recognize it. I feel like that self-evaluation and like you saw, like you said, Sean and, and Doc, is it, we got to walk the walk, right? Like it's, it's, it's great to perform and say these things and, and be excellent writers and uh, orators, but we need to actually do the actions and behave in, in an anti-racist way. But I would just add, you can't be the only one doing those things. That's one of the problems. <laughs> that, because you're, you're hired and then you have a position description, right? And I guess you're the only magic person that can do this work. And so the whole load falls on you, right? But I, I mean, one nice thing that's happening, I'm not saying, you know, hold your breath or anything, but Trek knows that Trek alone cannot do the work that needs to be done in terms of coordinators cannot alone train TRC members to be equity minded TRC members, right? It's too much. It's cultural. We can't do that work. And so now we've reached a point where we now have to work together with DEC. That's our new collaboration. And together, we're, we're, our ethos is evolving, if you will. And we're starting new work in terms of uh, how we think about survey questions, for instance, how we support uh, <clears throat> candidates of color. Because, you know, I mean, there are issues there, significant issues, longstanding issues. And so uh, just want you all to know, like, <laughs> we're well aware of the fact that We've been bringing great folks in and then just dumping all of our problems on them, right? <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, I mean, think about it like this. It's like, yo, uh, you know, as well as like, look, if they, can't, if, they, if they brought you in to do this work, why is that not part of your job description? 
You know what I'm saying? Like, like real talk is like real talk. If, if it is what you brought me in here to do, why is that not one of the bullet points on my job description so that when I do this work, I can, and y'all don't like it. You can, I, you can like, you can point at it. Like, uh, I'm here to do this work and just saying, right. And so, um, there's something that we all need to be fighting for, uh, as we get into different positions and hiring folks and, Hey, look, Sean. If you're looking for a way to to bring in Denise, I think I got I, I think I got some because Denise, I got some information. Look, look, you just gonna have to just tell, you just gonna come into the space there, Denise. <laughs> yo, she put in this workshop, yo. Like, like I'm just gonna just put it in professional development. She hit me with this. Um, I just want you. You know what? I don't even want to say anything about what the workshop you told me. I want you to tell me the workshop to everybody in regards to this because it's it's clearly connected to anti-racism and whatnot. Go ahead, holla at us, uh, Denise. So you want me to share that description, Bruce? Please do. Okay. Yes. I pulled it up just in case this came up in this particular conversation. <laughs> Imagine. Um, so I am proposing a workshop called For Whites Only, and I actually kind of mean that. Um, historically and today, because you always need something after a colon. And this is the description. Together alone, we will explore our participation in privilege and concrete ways of sharing those privileges. We seek to be self-reflective and vulnerable. If we, as perceived white people, want to be allies or co-conspirators, we need to work on not only recognizing anti-Black racism, but calling it out and dismantling it piece by piece. This must happen at Miracosta in our classrooms and services, but also in our, I'm sorry, I live near the train, in our families, neighborhoods, cities, and lives. If black lives matter, if black minds matter, we must seize the moment at hand. So putting that in, I think that October, Bruce, or is that November? Um, I think no, we're going with that in uh, October because uh, yeah, we we got some th- uh, you know the the Black Students Matter just launched uh, yesterday um, in September. We're going to have a Black Allyship uh, headed up with uh, Shantae Mitchum and uh, Wendy Stewart, and so then and then I'm like, okay, let's keep it, let's let's keep the party moving, right? It's like let, let let's go, DJ, let's hit this, and so you know, and you and you bringing that up, I'm just saying, it's like we. I just need you to speak more about that because I just know that there's so much more because I don't get those conversations. I'm just going to be real about it. Me being, having the body that I do and having the voice that I do, it's like, I make no apologies, but I don't get the conversations that I know must be happening. In order for you to say conversations. That's the problem. Or not. (laughs) White people for the most part ignore race. One of the reasons race is missing from Sean's look at the equity um, panels mm-hmm. is that we, we avoid that. We've, we've always avoided it, but after, you know, um, what, what was the movement in the 80s to, uh, to clean up our language? Now I've forgotten. Political correctness. Identity. Yeah, politics. Political correctness. Yeah. Tone police. <laughs> yeah. All of the above. Yeah. This gave us even more freedom to not talk about it, right? Mm. It sounded it sounded initially like this great thing. This was going to help make us help us be together more, and instead, it it made us even further apart because it meant as a white person, I could just I could just ignore the concept of race. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when when I so the conversations, Bruce, when I acknowledge, um any identifying characteristics of a human not in the room, 
white people look at me and go, oh! like, I'm not supposed to say he's black. I'm not supposed to say she's lesbian. I'm not, I'm not supposed to say any of those things, whether, you know, any, any of the pieces, I'm not supposed to say them. They know, uh, they know they're black. Why can't we? And it's not in that he's my black friend, right? It, it's just in this acknowledgement of you don't, you might not know this person. I want you to have more context because it's meaningful to the conversation we're having, right? It's also not gratuitous. Mm -hmm. So, so Bruce, I want the conversation because I don't think the conversation happens. And I think um, in the conversation that was going on earlier about, you know, anti-racism versus racism versus even structural racism, yeah. I'm trying to eliminate the structural racism language um, that I've been using for a long time. Partially, it's Curry's notion that it's comfortable. Partially, it's that I'm an academic, right? But yeah. partially, it's that I think by calling it structural racism as a white woman, it distances me from the fact that I live in a racist culture and I participate in it. I can't not. Mm -hmm. I participate in it, right? And so if I, if I say it's structural racism, I'm absolved. I am not responsible. Mm -hmm. And similarly, I, like, I, I take Oswaldo's point about anti-racism has been going on a long time. But again, as a white woman, I think the anti is very useful in the current conversation because it means I can't hide behind I'm not a racist because being anti-racist is being actively mm -hmm. anti-racist, at least at the moment. That will change too. Right. But at this moment, it's that way. So, yeah. so Bruce, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I, I don't think those conversations, I don't think you're missing them. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I feel you. I mean, I mean, framing it that way or, you know, whenever it comes up, I, you know, it's like, because it, it was tough over the summer to to do the the Black Lives Matter training series that we that you know we we put together you know Shante Mitchum Edwina Williams and myself and and just just like it, and it was really well attended over the summer and I was you know expecting um, more conversation more talking more almost like, you know, like you know, helping to, to move the crowd, if you would. I'm, I'm going to keep my DJ references here, right? It's like I, I kept thinking to, to move the crowd, and yet at the same time, I felt like it was so and, and, and devoid of conversation, if you would. And maybe it's the, maybe it's the you know, the, the space that we're in with Zoom and everything and, and all of that. Maybe, maybe things could have been different, but um, just almost like the, uh, what is it, Chad used the word shell shock, like just literally people coming into the space and, and not even knowing how to even just have a normal, I would consider a normal conversation in the space about this thing that, we're, that we do and that we understand and we need to do better at not doing, right? Um, it was just so, like I said, it, it really took me by surprise. It took the whole crew by surprise about how little people were talking in the space, right? It really did like go like, it's like, yo, we are doing, I think we're doing a pretty good job of getting people to doing this thing, but no one's really wanting to talk. And I think a lot of that has to do with that, that fear of saying anything wrong, right? It's like, that's, that's, the, that, that's definitely the, the baseline in that space of like, just being so afraid. It's like, I'm gonna say something wrong. And it's like, 
you know what we've been saying the, we've been doing the wrong thing for so many decades Let, let's start let's let's go ahead and start saying the wrong shit so that we can get to where we can say the right stuff right i'm I, anyway i'm i'm going hey, bruce, bruce i would mm -hmm. jump in real quick just to say you know i i was there and i, I had a good time and i don't know if you remember but i had to turn off my screen for a little bit because i was dealing with the kids and stuff like that but for me, the, the the stories, the scenarios that that you all created, right? Those were those were awesome because they're concrete, and I can see myself in them. The the problem I have, or not have, but when I'm thinking like, why aren't more people talking and stuff? Is we just don't do it enough. They're not comfortable in that space, you know. So the people that are leading the conversations are the ones that have the conversations on a regular basis. And that stuff's that that's who they are they that's what that that's what they live that's what they walk right for for everybody that needs to hear that stuff it's like the first time they're hearing it and they don't know what to say so they're yeah. freaking out and they're quiet but i mean i just think we have to keep doing it you know and we have to keep hearing those stories over and over and over until it's like oh this happens regularly i didn't see it but now i see it finally you know yeah um, yeah, that's why I, I really think that's why I mean what Denise proposed would I just jump I would just like do that <laughs> because uh, I, I you know it's like create your space whatever space it is you need in order to get uh, you know to get this conversation off the ground and to, to to really you know start moving this thing it's like we need to create those spaces and and to to do this right and so that's why I was I was just super excited about that for real. All right, that seems like a good place to pause for the moment. Um, this first episode, we're really hashing out the term, right? The what is anti-racism? What language are we using when we define anti-racism? Um, uh, I think we've talked a little bit about the work, we've referenced the work, um, but here in this section, we're mostly just grappling with what do we mean when we say anti-racism? Yeah. And, you know, the, the part that I really, you know, appreciate and, you know, just doubling down really on this idea that, you know, who's doing the work, right? Because with respect, right, it's like anti-racism is not a new thing. Um, it's been around for quite some time. And I personally have uh, have had conversations about race and ethnicity and racism my damn near my whole life, right? But uh, people embracing the work like Denise Stevenson and, and her crew that she's putting together, um, if you're listening to this in real time, all of that stuff is going to be happening in like November. And so, you know, just, you know, just really excited about the direction that this is going for Maricosta. Right. And these conversations obviously are so important, but as the old adage goes, right, you can't just talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. And these folks that we have on today and through the next couple episodes, they are about that work. And so that's what we're going to move into in our second part of this three-part series on anti-racism. We've heard the talk, and now we're going to hear about the work. So listen on to the next. This episode was produced and engineered by Kelly Barnett. James Garcia handles our show notes and social media for the Safe Topics podcast. You can find uh, Reteach on Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify. Those are the places that people listen to me the most. Thanks for listening.